Hey there, Lisa Schwartz here. Welcome to my podcast, Teach and Talk with Lisa, where we are unpacking biblical principles with everyday words and applying them to our everyday lives. This spontaneous message was captured at the beginning of a house meeting after a beautiful time of worship and unity. I'm always amazed at how uniquely God speaks with each group, and I'm excited to share this word with you. For more information on how to host a house meeting, or just to check my travel schedule and see if I'm going to be in your area anytime soon, please go to my website at www.lisa-schwartz.com. And finally, if you haven't subscribed to my two podcast channels already, I invite you to do so. All right, let's get to the show. Listening to the Father to speak to me saying, I find so much beauty in you, Lisa. And he goes on, it says, they are like lovely sanctuaries in the presence of the Lord. And I was thinking about the way God views us and the way we sometimes view ourselves and our inability to really see what God sees when we look at ourselves. But more importantly, to see what, what God sees when he looks at other people. And um, as I was praying today, I really just kept hearing the word compassion. And I'm going to share a story with you guys, and you can keep playing if you want, or you can take a break if you want. Um, but when I was first starting out in ministry, um, I went to a church and I heard somebody preaching on the passage in Matthew chapter nine, where it talks about Jesus looked out into the crowd and he saw them as, uh, sheep lost, weak, helpless, like sheep without a shepherd, no direction, no leadership. And it says then that Jesus had compassion on them. And out of that compassion, he was compelled. And and I started thinking about my own life and my own heart and what compassion really meant. It it just kind of struck me that I don't know that I'd ever felt that kind of a compassion. So I went home and I began to kind of research the word compassion in the Greek. And what I discovered was it was the idea of a wrenching in your guts, like a twisting in your innards. It was a painful compassion, a painful, a hurting for people. This is more than sympathy. This is more than empathy. And it's something that can only be captured from the heart of God. And it's what makes God, God. But it's also what moved Jesus to do the things that he did. And so today I was reading through the Good Samaritan because uh, the Lord used this story in my life to really ask me, what have you really done? To help my people? What have you really sacrificed to help my people? What have you really given up to help my people? And we know this story of the Good Samaritan, but I'm going to read it to you. And I want you to, I want you to, I want you to pretend like you've never heard it before. I want you to let the Holy Spirit breathe a fresh breath across it. And I want you to allow him to bring a fresh revelation to it. And it says this. Of course, he's talking to uh, a lawyer, and the lawyer asks what is written in the law. What what, He asks him, what is written of the law? He says, what is the greatest commandment? He says, that you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your might. You should love your neighbor as yourself. And then, of course, he asks that question, who is my neighbor? Right? Looking to kind of justify himself, saying, well, I don't, well, well, I only have to love the lovable. I only have to love people who, Uh, are worthy of love, right? He's asking, who is my neighbor? And so from there, Jesus says this. He tells the story like he always does. And he says, 
And Jesus answered him and said, A certain man went down. Everybody say down. He went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. Now, the reason why I had you say down is because Jericho was approximately 3,700 feet lower than Jerusalem. Okay? It was a 17-mile trail that people traveled on to go to and from Jerusalem to Jericho. Now, what do we know about Jerusalem? What is in Jerusalem is the temple. So if somebody is moving away from the temple, going towards Jericho, you follow? And going down, this is probably somebody who's heading down a bad path. A lot of people say that this man represents the fall of Adam, how he moved from paradise to exile. He moved away from the person of God, out of the Garden of Eden. And so we have a man who is traveling down from Jerusalem to, Jer from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among thieves who stripped him, took him of his clothing, they wounded him, and then they departed him, and they left him to die. Now, I don't know who I'm talking about to in this room tonight, but some of you may find that you relate most to the man who was stripped, who was beaten, who was abandoned, who was abused, and who was left to die. And maybe if we go on further, when we find that the priest, the man of God, who represents, by the way, the law of the Old Testament, when he sees this man, the Bible says, acting as though he did not see him, he crossed on the other side of the road. The man of God completely dismisses this man. Now, if we're honest with ourselves, maybe that represents some of us in this room. Maybe some of us have seen some people hurting, stripped, abused, beaten, and, and maybe you've been like, oh, uh, I don't know what to do. Let's just be honest. Sometimes we just don't know what to do. And we feel some sympathy, or maybe we feel some empathy but that's not compassion. I'm going to read on to you. And it says, Now by chance there was a Levite who represents, by the way, the prophets of the Old Testament. So what we're discovering is neither the law or the prophets rescued the man. Neither the law nor the prophets rescued the man. And so he represents the prophets, and he arrived to the place, and he came, and he looked, and he saw, but he also passed by on the other side of the road. Oh, I wonder who in this room is going to cross the road. Come on, I wonder in this room who's going to put themselves in danger because this was a dangerous trail. This is where thieves and robbers hid in the canyons. And I wonder how many people are willing to count the cost for the one who is lost. I wonder who is willing to cross the road and get dirty. I wonder who is willing to give up your own ride, give up your own money, give up your own time, and go back, and go back, and go back, and see this thing through. In Luke chapter 14, it talks about even a king who goes out into the army, goes out into battle, is intentional to count the cost before he goes. So any man who's going to build something counts the cost before he builds. Lest you build, start building, you lay a foundation and you finish, you can't finish building and then people make fun of you. Oh, I wonder if we're talking about the church. Who likes to start things, who likes to lead people to Christ, but then leaves them still stuck in their addiction. Come on, stuck in their abuse. Leaves them still stuck in their hurt, stuck in their depression. 
walking along the other side of the road, pretending like we don't see because we don't know what to do. It goes on and it says this, but a good Samaritan, (laughs) as he journeyed, he came where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion. What I want you to hear in this is what separated the Levi and the priest from the Samaritan was compassion. It wasn't the Samaritan that helped the man. It was compassion that compelled him to help the man. Let me go back to the story when I was telling you about when I felt like, oh my gosh, I just don't have this kind of compassion, Lord. Like if I took a spiritual gifts test, I would probably be like a negative something on the mercy scale. I'm a prophet through and through. I like to say it like it is. I don't care if it hurts when you receive it. I'm going to give it to you straight. And so the Lord, I began to pray out to the Lord because I knew this was an attribute of God that I had to have. Because compassion is what moved Jesus. Compassion is what moved the Samaritan. And if we, are, if we move not out of compassion, then we're moving out of our flesh. See, compassion is a spiritual, it is a supernatural attribute of the nature of God. And a lot of us know what compassion looks like, but we've never felt compassion. And so I went to, I was, I was actually going to a Baptist church at the time. And I was working in the youth and I was praying through this whole thing about compassion and asking the Lord, what does compassion mean? What does compassion mean? What does compassion mean? And so it's just the oddest story. And so there was a, so this was when I was just coming into the wave of the Holy Spirit. You know, I was in a Baptist church. So stuff started happening with me and I was like, I don't know what's going on, but sometimes they see things, sense things, experience things that I think is really weird. I don't know what's going on. And so I'm in this room and they had invited these missionaries from, I think they were from England or something, older couple, very older couple. The wife was sitting in a chair, just kind of minding her own business. And I couldn't stop thinking, looking, being aware of this woman. Okay. Which I now know is something prophetic is going on. You heard me say that, right? Something prophetic is going on. If that's happening with you, pay attention to it, pray into it and be willing to say yes, Lord. Okay. And so I couldn't stop thinking. I couldn't stop praying uh, about this woman. I'm facing this way. She's behind me and I'm still just aware of this woman. And so finally I began to ask the Lord, Lord, what's with this lady? What's with this lady? And he said, I want you to wash her feet. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. I, 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 I was like, I don't, I don't know about I don't know what to do. So I'm like, so the Lord's like, I mean, if you don't want to wash her feet, I can ask somebody else. But you've asked. I've made her aware. You've asked. You can either say yes or no. So if anybody knows me, I'm pretty stubborn. When you give me a something like that, I'm like, oh, no, I'm going to do this. So I go into, y'all, forgive me. I'm a, I'm a, I'm, I'm, I feel I know a lot of people in the room. I go into the kitchen where all the Marthas are at. Right? And they are busy getting ready, getting the food ready for the youth. We're in worship and they're busy getting ready. And so I'm kind of just trying to be kind of sly in there and I'm kind of open up cabinet doors. I'm trying to find a bowl, right? So I can't find a bowl. So I I finally just go back out. I'm like, I don't know what to do. So I wait till after worship. And all these people are kind of like surround around this man and his wife because they've come from England. Everybody's bedazzled by them and everything else. And so I'm just standing there. And as I'm kind of look, looking at this woman, my body kind of starts to shake. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing here. And the Lord's like, you do know what you're supposed to be doing. So finally, this woman looks up at me and she said, 
what do you need, dear? In her little English accent. And I was like, um, and she's like, come on, come on, come on in. And so I lean in. I now know this one was clearly spirit-filled, and she was all up in this, and I was like, I don't know what's happening. And so I lean into her, and I said, well, I feel like the Lord's told me I'm supposed to wash your feet. And she said, well, you better go get a bowl. (laughs) And so I'm like, oh, yes, a bowl. So I go back to the kitchen. At this point, I have irritated the Marthas because they're like, what do you need? What do you need? And I'm like, I, I just need a big bowl. What, a bowl? They get like a cereal bowl. I'm like, no, a, a bowl, like a bigger And they're like, what do you need a bowl for? What, we're trying to get ready for this. And I'm like, well, if you must know, the Lord has asked me to wash this woman's feet. <laughs> and at that point, everybody, Carol, Carol Eubanks was like, get her a bowl. Get her a big bowl. And she gets me this big bowl. Gives me the, Okay, so I get this bowl. I'm filling it up with water. I'm like, Ugh. I don't know if it was the spirit. I don't know if I was nervous. I don't know if it was embarrassment. I don't know what was going on. This is probably one of the most humble moments in my entire life. And so um, I get this bowl, and I go over to this woman, and I get down, and she kind of shoes people away. She's like, okay, just a minute. This lady's going to wash my feet. <laughs> now, she takes her shoes off. And she leans over and she says, now don't you worry about the stockings. Just go ahead and wash. She had stockings on, like pantyhose. So I'm washing this woman's feet with pantyhose on. She's like, don't worry about the stockings, dear. You just do what the Lord's told you to do. So I'm like, okay. I, I don't know. So, so I'm on like whatever. And as I'm, I'm, okay, so remember where I'm at at this point. I'm starting this ministry. I'm starting to feel like my theology is maybe whack. Uh, maybe there is a Holy Spirit thing going on. I don't know. I got to get this figured out before I lead people. I'm starting to kind of, you know, study into this compassion concept. I don't think I have the compassion of Christ. I don't know what that means. I'm starting to experience potentially speaking in tongues. I have no idea what this is. I have nobody to ask. So I'm washing this woman's feet and she leans over and she gets begins to pray over me in tongues. And then she pauses and she says, the Lord wants you to know he has placed his heart of compassion in you. And as you surrender to him, he will release it. So I tell you all that to say compassion is crucial in ministry. And we are all called to ministry. We are all called. And no matter what you do, you cannot stir up compassion on your own. But if you carry the heart of Christ, you carry compassion in your gut. And I wonder who in this room is called to ministry and has not yet felt or experienced the wrenching of the gut of compassion. I don't know what's going to go on in here tonight. But I really feel like the Lord wants to loose because... Okay, so in, when, I, when I go back to that Mark cha- Matthew chapter 9 where it talks about how he looked out into the crowd, he saw them as harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd, and the Father and Jesus had compassion on them. He had compassion, and then he says, he had compassion, and then he looks to his disciples and he says, look, for the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Pray to the Lord of harvest that laborers would rise up. Compassion 
is where we start laboring for the kingdom. Compassion is where we start harvesting for the Lord. Compassion is what compels us to move. Compassion is what compelled Jesus to heal the man with the crippled hand. Compassion is what compelled him to he to feed the multitude. It was compassion. If you look at how many times in the New Testament it says that Jesus moved with compassion. And a lot of us, come on, a lot of us want to operate in signs and miracles and wonders, and we want to skip the heart of compassion. My book, The Pursuit of His Glory, is all about pursuing the character and the nature of God. Nobody in this room, well, maybe there might be some people in this room. A lot of us in this room love the woo-woo of the spirit. We love the yummy. I like the glittery stuff in the, in the spirit. I love it, right? <coughs> Somebody's looking at me like, what's a woo-woo? The, the yummy, you know, the good stuff, the anointing. I like to get the shakes. I like to get the giggles. I like to feel the presence. But if you have the presence and the anointing without the person of Jesus, it's very dangerous. It's extremely dangerous. And you know the enemy can imitate the anointing. Remember the magicians in the Old Testament? They were able to imitate the work of God from Moses. But in the end, there was only one that was compelled by the love and the compassion of God. And those were the serpents that ate up the other serpents. Because love will always win. And compassion will always win. That's why he talks about in the New Testament, he says, if you have not love, then you're just a clanging sound. You're just a cymbal in a band. If you have not love. And I wonder how many of us in here tonight have been praying that God would increase our gifts, have been praying that God would turn up the anointing. Come on. That would be praying that God would give us a gift of healing and we've missed the heart of compassion. Are we praying that God would fill us with his compassion to the same degree that we would ask God to fill our hands with healing? Are we praying that we would have a heart of love to the same degree that we would ask God to fill our hands with deliverance? Don't miss it. Don't miss it. And the opposite is true as well. If you guys have not gotten a book of my, a copy of my book, The Pursuit of His Glory, I would highly recommend it. The opposite is true as well. I was raised up in a church when I learned all about God. I learned about all of who he is, but never learned about the move of God. And it was a powerless church. So on one end, you've got powerless, and on the other end, you've got dangerous. But you've got to have them both together, the glory and the anointing, working in tandem, the person of God that compels me to heal. If I'm not compelled to pray for something, I'm still going to pray for him. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm still going to pray for him. But there are times I'm like, I'm just praying out of my flesh right now. God, you're going to have to move. And God's like, just, just do it, and you give me yourself your vessel, and he begins to move. Like Sometimes we have to faith it until we become it. But I just really feel like, I feel like the Lord really wants to kind of dial us back into his heart a little bit tonight. Because I believe that God is doing a, God's always doing a big work, you know. They say that this is the year of the open door, and I'm like, I, I think every year is the year of the open door. I think Jesus opened the door and it stayed open. Um, but I understand, I mean, I don't think it ever shut, but. Uh, I mean, but I understand that there are seasons, there are spiritual seasons, right, where things begin to move. And I will say this with no, no offense to any man in this room. I believe and I've heard from many, many prophets that we are in a heightened season of women arising. Um, I believe that we are in a heightened, not just in church, but also in business and in government. I was telling Cecily, my daughter-in-law, is she not beautiful? Um, Raise your hand, Cecily. Yes. Um, um, So... 
I, I was telling her today, we went to go get our nails done together. You're welcome. Um, <laughs> I was telling her today that I met with three clients, um, and all of them are women, very strong women, and they're all in business, amazing businesses. One lady has a, has a Christian gift store in North Carolina, and she said, well, we sell Christian items, but that's not really what we're known for. This is so cool. It's so cool. So cool. I'm going to go. I'm going to go to North Carolina because she said, what we're known for is our events. So the Lord told us to buy this 5,500 square foot building. And I was like, well, we don't really need 5,500 square feet. She's like, but what I didn't know is we have 1,500 square feet that's devoted to retail. And in the back, we have the living room, the living room. And I was like, Ooh, what's the living room? And she's like, oh, that's where we have praise and worship events. That's where we have authors come and read and teach from their books. That's where we have healing services. That's where we have deliverance service. We have a prayer wall. And you bet your bottom dollar she's going to be franchising this baby. And I'm going to be her coach. <laughs> right? And so I'm like, so I meet with her. I meet with another lady who owns a business. I meet with another lady who owns a business. And, and in my spirit, the Lord is like, this is that of which I've been speaking about 2024. Watch the women arise. And it doesn't, it, it's not to downplay. Look, we can, come on now, we can raise women up without degrading men. Come on, we are equally and uniquely important to business, to government, and to ministry. And so I, I should have given my women in ministry message tonight because I didn't know there was going to be mostly women in the room. But my, my point there is, is we need to recognize what season that we're in. And we are in a season where God is rising up women. I, I felt like the Lord told me we are coming into a Deborah season. We're coming into a Deborah season. And I believe the Lord has actually laid it on the hearts of specific men that they will be like that of Aaron and Hur that held up the hands of Moses in battle and they will hold up and support women in ministry. And they will be supporting women in business and they will be supporting uh, women in the government as well. So I, I want that to be on record because I believe this is an important season that we're coming into. But even in all of that, we got to have compassion. You got to have compassion. Um, and so, Father, we thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are so ready and so available. We thank you for the heart of compassion. If you guys would just open up your hands, let's just kind of do a unified prayer. You can get in whatever position you want to. We, we went to a leadership conference this week, and one of the guys preached on the seven different Hebraic words for worship and all the different postures for worship. I think my favorite was Tehillah, because it's not Tehillah, it's Tehillah, and it actually means a spontaneous worship. It was when Mir Miriam broke out in worship uh, when they had come through the Red Sea, and she broke up in a broke out in a Tehillah. Uh, you, did you know that? Tehillah. I'm, I'm never going to write Tehillah. So we just thank you. So I say all that to say, however, whatever, whatever you need to do to to put yourself in a position of surrender. I just want to do that for the next two or three minutes um, and just let you guys receive just surrendering yourself, surrendering yourself. I don't know who you related to in the story the most. Maybe you're like, I'm not even at a place where I can minister to anybody until I get my own wounds. And the Good Samaritan, it says that he bandaged the man's wounds 
which is a picture of the binding of our wounds that Christ brought into us. It says he poured oil on his wounds, which is a picture of the Holy Spirit being anointed with oil. It talks about the disinfecting of the wine, which is a representation of the blood of Jesus Christ. How many of you know that the blood of Jesus Christ has disinfected anything that's infected your bloodline? Come on. That, that's a breaking of a generational curse right there. As a disinfecting of anything that has infected your bloodline, I speak that right now in the name of Jesus. We just, in a, in a corporate manner, we just break generational court curses off in this room right now in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for a fresh outpouring of the olive oil, the oil of the Holy Ghost. Come on, every wound would be healed right now. And we thank you, Holy Spirit, that you bind up the brokenhearted. Come on, that's what the words. He binds up the brokenhearted. And then we know it goes on and it talks about how he took the man and he put him on his horse. Come on, he had to get off his high horse and give his horse to somebody else. And maybe that's you in this room. Maybe you've been on your high horse and it's time for you to get really low. And it's time for you to get really low. And it's time for you to get really low. I don't know what that looks like, but if that's time for you to get really low, get really low. I'm getting off my high horse and I'm willing to give of myself. I'm willing to count the cost. I'm willing to see it through. I'm going to take this man. I'm going to come alongside somebody and I'm going to see them through their healing. Come on. I love it. It says that he he gives he gives the innkeeper money and he says, and then I'm going to come back. And if there's any other cost incurred, I'm going to pay that cost. He saw it through. And I wonder how many of us have started something or started with someone and we didn't see it through. Or maybe you're that person, and tonight you need a someone in your life to see it through with you, to walk alongside you, to help heal your, your wounds, to help pour out the oil upon your wounds. But God, we're just mindful that tonight, come on, it wasn't the Good Samaritan that helped the man. It was the compassion of God. It was the compassion of God. So, Father, I just pray right now, right now in the name of Jesus. I just pray for a tangible presence, a tangible presence in the form of compassion, in the form of compassion. God, break our hearts for what breaks yours. God, let us see it the way you see it. God, let us see our friends. Let us see our families. Let us not see them with judgment. Let us not be like, well, they left the church. Come on, that they moved away from God. Remember, he was moving away from Jerusalem. Let us not cast judgment Give us eyes of compassion, God, that we would see it the way you see it. That we wouldn't be like, well, you know what? That's what you get when you live in sin. You know what the Father says? He says, even if you settle in the depths of hell, even there I will find you. That's compassion. That's compassion. So everybody repeat after me. God, I receive. God, I surrender to your compassion. Break my heart. For what breaks yours. Wake me up, Lord. Cause me to weep. Wrench my guts. Twist my stomach. That I would feel it the way you do it. Thank you, Lord. I hope you enjoyed this episode. You can also find me on YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, or you can check out my other podcast show, Enforcing Purpose with Lisa Schwartz. For general information or resources, head to my website at www.lisa-schwartz.com. Thanks for listening.